Before we get stuck into today's episode, I'd just like to make a very public and very sincere apology. When we gave a hint of a tease of what to expect in 2020, we alluded to this band and I said that they had once been a five-piece, which was an absolute lie slash mistake. So I apologise to you, our listeners, to Depeche Mode fans around the world, and Will, apologies to you. I feel like I let the show down. Thank you, Dan. You read that word for word from the official statement that our lawyers drafted up. Right. Let's get on with the episode. Yeah. Hello, you're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast where every week you take a brilliant pop album uh, and talk about it track by track. Oh, I thought this was a running podcast. And uh, on the turntable this week, we've got Violator by Depeche Mode. Dan, I love how you d- didn't give me an opportunity to talk about running. Even then, you just quickly <laughs> just brushed over it. That was not my intention whatsoever. Do you run? Yes. Oh, frequently at the moment you've got your fun run coming up haven't you <laughs> well i'm gonna be dressed up as uh, where's wally <laughs> running around green park lovely not at all it's a marathon as long as you're not playing where's willie running around the park because you will be arrested again so dan i'm gonna gloss over that now uh, and move on to depeche mode i think it's fair to say another band you have been busting a nut to talk about Quite, yes. And I think some of our listeners as well have been quite keen for us to talk about them. I mean, this album is huge, but the band is, the band anyway, are such a huge band, such a huge influence on a lot of the bands that we cover. It's, it's only right that they, they slot in very well to what we do. So Depeche Mode uh, were formed in 1980, which is an awfully long time ago now. Mm. So they've been together almost 40 years. And uh, by all accounts, hated each other for... Many of those years. 38 of them. Yeah. <laughs> is that, I mean, I'm not an aficionado. Is that, is that true? There, I remember reading uh, Q Magazine 10 or 15 years ago, and it's followed them around on tour. I think it was the Playing the Angel tour. And they were interviewing uh, Dave, who's the lead singer. He was being interviewed separately to Andy and Martin, who make up the rest of the band now. They're now a trio. They have been for a lot of years. Uh, and they were interviewed separately. And I think they sort of spent their time off stage or backstage separately. And I think they were quite open about that uh, in the interview. They just, you know, I suppose you don't get on with all of your colleagues, do you? Certainly not me. Um, no, in fact, I pride myself on not getting on with my colleagues. Oh. And I think they'd say the same about you. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, uh, but I, th- I feel like old age maybe has brought a level of understanding. Uh, a bit like you know, other people that fe- used to work in uh, groups. So I'd imagine a lot of the Pythons in a similar situation. Pythons? Monty Python. Oh, right. You know Monty Python? Yeah, I, I thought you were talking about uh, like a really rocky band there that I didn't know you were a fan of. Or a male strip group. <laughs> <laughs> They're not the Wiggly Worms. <laughs> Uh, and Dan, you referenced a few names there, but for the uninitiated, Depeche Mode, current lineup, you've got Andy Fletcher, Martin Gore, and Dave Gahan. I'm never quite sure how to say Dave Gahan. I've never heard it said. I would say Gahan. Gahan? Then it sounds French or something. 
uh, which he isn't. They're all from Essex. Yes. Uh, former members, Vince Clark and Alan Wilder. Vince Clark, of course, who went on to form Yazoo with Alison Moye. That was it. That was Yazoo. Oh, was it? Sorry, I thought you were Don't just... go. I won't. <laughs> so we're here today to talk about Violator. So I hope everyone is ready to get violated. I know I certainly am. Oh, I thought you were crawling around the floor looking for uh, tuppence. So, Violator is the seventh album uh, from Depeche Mode, released in 1990. So, they really went some from forming in 1980 to be on their seventh album by 1990. Yeah, they bashed them out. But this, as I'm sure you're going to come on to, is heralded as their best album ever. It's, yeah, and we'll talk about how it was received later. But this is a seminal album for Depeche Mode. Um, and why we're talking about it today. Well, I, I guess, Dan, you've got a tenuous link. Far from tenuous, actually, Will. This album, in two days' time, will be 30 years old. Oh, my age. 30. <laughs> oh, sorry, I thought you said 20. Right. Um, no, that's actually quite a bold, obvious one. Yes, it doesn't happen very often. But I do love the fact that it was 10 years into their career when they were creating work that was so well received. I think we've talked about it before where there are some bands where their finest work is more often than not thought to be their earliest and, or even their debut album. Um, and there's, there's something great about that as well because they kind of start with a big bang and hopefully then they continue and even if it's not as, as appreciated, it's still loved by the fans. But with a band like Depeche Mode, yeah, they worked hard for 10 years, for seven albums. They did some incredible stuff, but then... They got to this point. Uh, and we normally do this kind of ad hoc through the episode, but actually it's worth saying up front, this album was produced by Depeche Mode and Mark Ellis, a.k.a. Flood. Flood. Who has also worked with the likes of The Charlatans, Gary Newman, uh, Mark and the Mambas, Nine Inch Nails, U2, New Order. That's uh, amongst many others. That's quite a body of work, isn't it? Yeah, great seeing New Order in there because there are certainly some sounds in this album that, to me, are reminiscent of New Order. And U2, I've mentioned before, it's kind of a bit of a, a, a curveball because they're a real Marmite band, aren't they? I'm a big fan of U2, which doesn't always kind of tie in with when we're talking about Steps or D- Danny Minogue or whatever. But yeah, they've done some great work with Flood. Uh, all tracks are written by Martin from the band as well. Hmm. He's a chief songwriter. He wasn't initially. It was Vince before he left. Uh, but so, sometimes in later albums, certainly you can um, have tracks written by Dave as well. And sorry, you did with Vince. You did touch on the fact that he was in Yazoo, but for me, Erasure. Well, of course, yeah, yeah. He left left to form Yazoo, but I think it's important to look at what he did with. Depeche Mode, because when he was in the band, that's when they did Just Can't Get Enough uh, and New Life and things like that. So he... That wonderful cover of the Saturdays. Yeah, sadly mistaken once again there. But yeah, so he's certainly brought the peppier, poppier, uh, plinky plonkier sound to the band, which it didn't take them long to shun it off. Uh, and Dan, we need to get a rage on the long list. Absolutely. Yeah, they're not on there. I can't believe, I can't believe that. Any particular albums spring to mind? Uh, do you know, Dan, I'm really not sure at this point. I have to think about that. Well, thank you for the snappy answer and not keeping me waiting. <laughs> the best part of 20 minutes while you were looking through the back catalogue. Should we get stuck in? 
<laughs> yes, what a fantastic idea. So side one, track one of Violator is World In My Eyes. You know what, Dan? There are so many tracks on this album you could just get lost in. They're so they've got so much depth to them and, and feeling. Yeah, and, and it goes back to something we said way back, I think, on a hot ship or an L C D sound system episode where I despise it when people say that electronic music isn't real music or you can't give it heart like you can with an acoustic guitar or whatever, because you can certainly create worlds and emotion with synthesizers and computers and it's all about who's composing the music isn't it it's still music so i couldn't agree more and i think getting lost in a world is very apt for this song uh and do you know what it for me as the lead track on this album it really does stand out as kind of what depeche mode do brilliantly can you tell i'm talking my way around not using that phrase the the phrase i'm thinking of yeah the catchphrase yeah uh, yes, I can, but can I just say something, Will? What? I think they really set their stall out for the album <laughs> on that track. I don't want this to become a catchphrase podcast again. But, but I've got t-shirts printed out <laughs> with, and if we're lucky, dot, dot, dot on them. <laughs> on the front, and what a fantastic time to talk about, yeah, on yes. the back. So this came, this album came three years after Songs and Faith and Devotion. And I think, as I said before, they've, they were constantly kind of getting broodier and darker. And they've got this kind of goth, goth, electronic goth image, haven't they? But this certainly does feel like a, a stark, very different, almost sort of um, dystopian kind of soundtrack, which I love. This was the fourth single to be released uh, from this album. And it got to number 17. In the UK, jazz. well, fourth single. That's 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 okay. Uh, didn't do too badly uh, in the US. There's a brilliant. Um, what was the actual sound? How would you describe it? Oh, uh, it is. What? Well, how would we describe yeah. it? It's a synthy, pulsing, almost bleeping medical beep. Yeah, uh, which is which which is part of the kind of real signature sound of this song. Hmm. And when I was re-listening to it in preparation for this episode, I was thinking, this sounds really familiar. Where have I heard this before? Also used. And it's in the Roisin Murphy song, uh, Overpowered. Uh, And if we're lucky, uh, you can see what I mean. So, is it a sample? So, interestingly, I, I have to be honest, I wasn't too familiar with that Rasheen Murphy song. Certainly, when I mean, you mentioned it, it sounds very similar. But 
if you look up the song, it's not sort of an official sample. I'd like to think it was an homage. Yes, definitely. Roisin Murphy is brilliant as well. And we've already got overpowered the album on the long list. Yeah. We need to do two episodes a week, really, to get through this long list. Oh, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work for the listeners to have to listen twice a week. <laughs> Wouldn't wish that upon you. Uh, let's move on. So, track number two. Sweetest Perfection. I'm not sure if it's the bit we'll play, but the ending of that track I really like. It doesn't fade out, does it? It doesn't. It ends very suddenly. What a great time to talk about the fantastic album artwork. Oh, wow. Let's get it out of the way nice and early this week because there's plenty more great stuff to come and to talk about. Uh, and the album artwork is... What would, what would you call that? It's a rose? I'd say it was a, it's a rose, or certainly the outline of a rose, but then the imagery on it is uh, something else is projected on there. There's I lips. Think. Yes, there are lips, yes. Lips on the leaves. It's quite a bold album cover. The red on black, um, the rose is all red, uh, and the leaves are red as well. And you've just got... The one thing I'm not so keen on is Depeche Mode along the top right-hand side uh, of the uh, of the cover. And the font they use, um, it's like a handwritten font for Violator, but a kind of rounded print. I don't know, what what, would, what font would you call that? It's some sort of script, isn't it? Yeah. So. so interestingly, the album cover is by Anton Corbin. I hope I'm saying his name right. He's Dutch. Corbin. Uh, and he's done a lot of the visuals for Depeche Mode, including some of the films that they've released, the sort of music films. He has also worked with um, U2 and Coldplay, particularly on the Talk video, which was great. He also produced and directed uh, Control, which was the Ian Curtis slash Joy Division film. So a huge name. Uh, probably the biggest name that we've ever had on a piece of artwork. Um, but what about the track? So, to be honest, it is not my favourite track. And I think, because I came into Depeche Mode later, I came in when, when they released Precious, and it was because I knew that I loved 80s music. I loved Duran Duran, New Order, AHA, etc. So, and I loved it when bands formed, that formed in the 80s were still making music. So loved their new stuff, went back to the old stuff. And I don't know if this is a true story or if I'm just making it up, but I'd imagine that when I got to this song, I was, I'd maybe think... Oh, I'm not, I don't what know a great time to listen to the album artwork. Yeah. Let's talk about the album artwork. <laughs> well, even listen to it over the song. It's just, it's worth pointing out as well that it is Martin singing this song rather than Dave. And that happens a lot through their career. I say a lot, but certainly with most albums, Martin has a lead vocal or two. Um, and, it, and when they perform live, he'll often perform them live. For me, and this will probably divide some of the fans and the Depeche Mode fans listening to this for me quite often they're the weakest songs on the album and of the shows I think as I said I'm not a huge fan it does build up and get really get much stronger towards the end 
Also, I just thought Martin, not really a pop star name, is it? <laughs> when you say Martin, my first thought is Martin Platt from Curry. Uh, Bernard as well, another one. Is there a Bernard? Oh, Bernard from uh, yeah, New Order. Guess yeah. who? Oh, oh, yes. Bernard Sumner. Uh, <laughs> Guess who is a good name for a band? We're thinking about putting a band together, aren't we? Maybe we should be Guess Who. Has he got glasses? Does he wear a hat? Right. Time to move on. Track number three now, and this is Personal Jesus. Reach out, touch space. Personal Jesus there. Oh, Ken Bruce <laughs> is back <laughs> on the BBC. What a song. That's an incredible song. That is one of their all-time greatest hits, isn't it? And they have got a lot. Let's not be, let's not beat around the bush. That's for, that is an incredible song, though. This was uh, the lead single from this album. It got to number 13 in the UK singles chart. Uh, and worldwide, um, it did incredibly well i think it's fair to say this is one of their biggest songs in the world yeah um and rolling stone in their 500 greatest songs of all time ranked it at number 368 which might not sound very impressive but if we're talking about greatest songs of all time i mean how many songs do you think have ever ever been released about 600 700 something like that uh let's hope it pipped uh Sailor V by Bewitched uh, to a place in the charts. Well, maybe that, but certainly not to you, I belong. That's an absolute corker. Uh, or Touch My Bum by Cheeky Girls. Cheeky, cheeky. And if we're lucky, <laughs> we'll never hear that song again. Uh, I just, I, it's one of those songs I could listen to a 20 minute version of that song. Yes, particularly towards the end of it when it kind of, because it begins with this more organic sound doesn't it it sounds very acoustic quite country and western almost and but there's still the hints of electronics in there but as it gets going it just builds and builds and builds and the layers of synths and there's lots of sort of squelches and beeps and boops and all sorts going on uh yeah it's amazing what i think is fantastic about it as well is that if you look at some of the people that have covered this song everyone from marilyn manson to johnny cash who you know two names that we probably won't be featuring sometime soon on track by track, but iconic in their own fields. Uh, and this was in part inspired by um, what the band saw in the States with a lot of um, religious set finance, uh, a religious monetization of religion on TV and such like. I also read it was partly influenced by Priscilla Presley's account of living with Elvis and how he was her own personal Jesus. Many influences. And before we move on, I know we've already talked about the album artwork. I want to talk about the single artwork, particularly the backside of the single artwork. <laughs> and pun intended there because it featured, there were four formats for this. It was on 7-inch, 12-inch cassette and CD. And depending on which version you had, you had one member of the band and um, a lady facing backwards naked, just with her bum out. Oh, 
so it really was a back, lovely backside. It really was. I don't know if it, I haven't seen it myself. Is it lovely? Um, I haven't seen it. I've just read about it. I purposely then blocked the words uh, Depeche Mode, Lady Backside uh, from my browser. Uh, and Dan, who is your very own personal Jesus? Is it Charity Shop Sue? At the minute, yes. She's everything to me and more. I'm going to collapse. Uh, I'm glad you said that because I would have been ages thinking about it. Who's yours? Uh, Emily Bishop from Coronation Street. Harmless sweet Emily drinking her harmless sweet cherry. I wish she'd come back. Where did she go? She went, I think she went to see Spider somewhere. He was in a tree again. Uh, and is Norris still there? He's gone as well, I think, now. Oh. Yeah. Dot's gone from EastEnders. They've all disappeared. Don't worry, guys. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> but it's time to move on to the next song. And this is track number four now, and this is Halo. So Halo there. Will, if I asked you to name another song called Halo by a different band, what would your first choice be? Uh, Halo by Texas. That was going to be mine. Or Beyonce? Beyonce was going to be the second one, yeah. There must be many more. It seems quite an obvious thing to write a song about. But uh, none spring to mind, so they can't be very good. How was that one? <laughs> yeah, that's really good. I love the drum beats running through that. Yes, I'd agree. What I like about this one is that the drums and the sort of the sequencing throughout it and the layers, they all feel very almost quite precise and quite clinical. But then you've got Dave's vocal, which is very gruff and kind of feels very natural. And then you've got that just that random piano key that just comes in every so often. And again, like Personal Jesus, I think it's the juxtaposition of organic and digital working lovely there. And this was that happening, you know, that's such a big part of music now, but that was happening way back in 1990. Yeah. Well. And I think a lot of the tracks on this album stand up to production values and technology in music now. Yeah, absolutely. I think they paved the way and there's, yeah, as you said, there's sort of a longevity to this work. I also love as well, I mentioned before that I wasn't the biggest fan of when Martin El Gore is providing the lead vocals. But I really love his when he's doing harmonies while Dave's singing. They have got a really nice sound together. So it's wonderful. It's another track that builds up. And it's time for the next one. Track five now. This is a cover mm. of the Jennifer Lopez song, Waiting for Tonight. No, sorry, Will. This is uh, an original song called Waiting for the Night. Oh, wishful thinking. I'm waiting for the night to fall. I know. Waiting for the night. Oh. Uh, and are we definitely going for Brent's Got Talent next year? <laughs> that was so the opposite of 
that song. <laughs> yeah. um, it almost doesn't feel like a song from a pop rock album. It feels like a, I'm not sure, something more dramatic, something more soundtrack-like, something not quite operatic, but more like a piece of art than a song. Because I think what it does is sa- it sounds like a night sky with stars just kind of twinkling in there. Uh, it's very stark and, and, you know, minimal. So it's, it's by no means my favourite track in the album because I'm a, such a big fan of the hits on this one, Personal Jesus and What's to Come. But What's to Come isn't the name of a single. I'm just being quite generic there. Yes, 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 I know. Uh, if you get my drift. But yeah, I, I like how it just shows the band continuing to experiment, particularly because it's quite a long song as well. Yes, it's it's a weighty six minutes plus, this one. Hmm. And they do like to pop in the odd... Um, Extra length. Yeah, which is... Lovely. Absolutely. It does make me think of a song from the most recent Pet Shop Boys album. And I'm thinking specifically of Only the Dark. Yes. Just the, the kind of the, the themes of the track, I think. Um, yeah. I wonder if they're pals. I don't think they've worked together. No, but I'm sure they mutually respect each other's work. Yes. Very diplomatic. Very very much so. Uh, And if we're talking about, we like to talk about the flow and sequence of an album. This is the per, if this was at the end, I would say it was petering out because it's in the middle. This is a great slower moment in the middle of the album. And some great background vocals from Martin L. Gore there as well. So, track six now. It's time. Enjoy the silence. Enjoy the silence there, otherwise known as one of the greatest songs ever released. Absolutely. Huge. I'm not being over dramatic there, am I? No, I don't think so. I think lyrically, musically. No, lyrically, musically. <laughs> dramatically. Dramatically. Sexually. <laughs> no. Don't say that. Disgusting. Mm. And it definitely feels like one of their more radio-friendly sort of commercial releases. Arguably one of the most since. I just can't get enough. Sped up version. That was like the crazy frog version. <laughs> That's if you're listening to the podcast at point, 1.5 speed. Oh, yeah, which I sometimes do just to get through it. Yeah, what, track by track? Yeah, yeah. bit of a long slog. Especially when you've already recorded it twice mm. and then you've had to edit it. Yeah. This was number six in the UK charts and got to number eight in the US. And actually, globally, it was a huge smash hit, and quite rightly so. And there is a 12-inch version of this track, which is over seven minutes long, which is absolutely lovely. Again, I could have twice the length and be very happy with that. <laughs> That's, that sounds absolutely wonderful. And Dan, how many times has this song been remixed and re-released over the years? It feels like it's never really gone away. Well, I'm glad you said that, actually, Will, because I did really want to talk about Enjoy the Silence Reinterpreted, which was released in 2004. So this is when Depeche Mode released a remixes uh, compilation. And 
obviously throughout their career they've had incredible people remixing for them and they still do old songs and new songs but this version was reinterpreted by mike shinoda who is from lincoln park and if we're lucky i'd like to just play a little bit of that for you now okay I have to be honest, that's good, but it's no patch on the original. I have to agree with you. I think it's great. And I remember it's it's around the time when I was getting into Depeche Mode. So to have this new version of an old song coming out and sounding arguably even more sort of contemporary was a great thing. But, and I think I did prefer this version at some point, actually. But now I do prefer that that original one. Someone I lived with at the university used to play this song literally every day. Really? I thought that was a bad thing. I was going to say, I'm surprised you didn't hate it, because even if someone played... Well, even if someone played this every day, I would get sick of this, I think. Every day, that's 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 a bit much. Oh, it's, it's a seminal track. Well, very true. Of all that we mentioned before about how Flood has worked with New Order, and I think this has got the most New Order sound to it. I was going to say, what do you think the... What do you think it is about this track that makes it so good, so timeless? I mean, I love, you know, I'm a big fan of Melancholy. Yeah. Um, there's a big scoop of that in there. There's a massive scoop of that. But I, th- I think as well as that, I think the Melancholy makes it even more of a sing-alongable chorus, which I don't know if that's a real word. And we were singing along? We were singing along. Thank God people can't hear the... Thank God the 30-second clip isn't us singing over the track. No uh, one would want that. No, it's absolutely terrifying. Um, but I think it's the the beat to this one as well. There's a real kind of fantastic thud to the beat. Which the bass is great as well. Yeah. It, it's very, it's danceable, but it, you can sing along to it as well. But like I said, it's melancholy. And just production-wise, it just sounds a bit poppier, a bit shinier. Yeah, it's had a lovely spit and polish. Yes. Okay, Dan, I think you've gushed enough. Yes, let me go and grab a wet floor sign, actually. So before we do move on, I just want to point out that at the end of Enjoy the Silence, there is a two-minute interlude called Crucified. Sadly, Will, I don't think we're allowed to play it because it comes into the same 30 seconds as Enjoy the Silence, technically. So just you'll have to imagine what crucifixion, Crucified sounds like, guys. Or what Crucifixion sounds like. Yeah, that's quite, quite brutal. Quite graphic. Yeah. Matt, perhaps you can put one of your lovely sound effects in there, Will. Ouch. Track number seven now, uh, and this is definitely something we have in place on this podcast. Policy of Truth. I just want to put this out there because I've been meaning to say it for the last few songs, actually. Depeche Mode have never played Glastonbury 
and I think they would make an amazing headliner. And songs like, of course, Personal Jesus and Enjoy the Silence, but this as well, I think, would make incredible songs for the Pyramid as a headliner. What do you think? I think you're right. Uh, it would. This would be... It's anthemic, this is. Yeah. It does remind me of New Order. Yeah. Uh, and more broadly, that kind of 90s Manchester music scene. Definitely. Which is which we both love. Huge fans of Manchester. Mad for it. And, and hopefully that's not offensive to anyone. <laughs> it does, again, it feels a bit poppy, this one, doesn't it? Yeah, that's probably why I like it so much. Yeah. It is one of my favourite tracks on the album. And, and I'm not just a singles whore. Well... You're not a single whore either. It feels as well a bit like, obviously this album came out in 1990, but this feels like a, a nod back to the 80s, some of the sounds in here. Mm, in a lovely way. It's quite dancey as well. You could you could have a bop to this at your indie disco. Yeah, oh, I want to go to an indie disco. Uh, well, we were talking about pop stars the other week, weren't we? Mm. And this is just the sort of thing that would t- tickle your fancy in there. Yeah. Interesting fact about this, uh, one of the remixes was done by the KLF, who were a huge dance band that uh, have dropped off the face of the planet because they don't have any of their music on uh, streaming services. It's Yeah, I read a lot about these, actually a lot through Pop Justice. I know they're huge fans, but I know, obviously, what, what's their biggest song? Yeah. Um, Justified and Able. 3AM Eternal, Justified and Ancient, featuring Tammy Wynette. Um, they've actually deleted um, all of their catalogue in the UK. And didn't they set fire to like a million pounds or something like that once? Yeah. I mean, they are sort of um, avant-garde artists as much as they are musicians, I think. Uh, even having not having their music on streaming services when they were so big, it's such a, a big decision and it's, it gets people talking about them. But I do think it's a shame because there's a great body of music out there that people aren't going to hear. Well, unless they buy physical music. Who's doing that? And the only, the only other remixes they did were for Pet Shop Boys, actually. They're very... Interesting. Very picky. Very selective. Yeah. A bit like us, really, on this podcast. Well, we have done... Uh... Rachel Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> Bless her. She's always to go to. Hello, Rachel. Hope you're okay. Oh, come back soon. Uh, but yeah, this song, I love it. I just think it, it sounds such a sort of generic way of putting it, but the actual... The structure of the song, the songwriting of the song, it's it's uh, it's very poppy, but it's very uh, it's very clever as well. How it just dips down for the bridge, how there's lots of instrumentalization for during the chorus. There's a particular part. In fact, I'm going to make sure I'm going to bribe those editing fairies and make sure it's the part they play. There's a lovely little brassy blast, or quite a few of them during part of it. Yeah, I love that bit. It's very it is very poppy, so poppy you could call this song Mr. Popadopolis. Doesn't he run the laundrette? <laughs> uh, so uh, that went down very well, that song with us. Yes. I wonder if track number eight uh, will be the same, which is something you own a few different versions of. Uh, yes, but unlike Monica Lewinsky's, there are no stains on mine. Because <laughs> you use Spanish. <laughs> it's <a blue> dress. <laughs> Stand before my eyes Put it on 
So, that was Blue Dress. Hmm. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of Morrissey. Really? Yeah. I didn't pick up on that, but I like... I mean, I'm, I'm going to listen to it again with new ears. Just some of the inflections in the vocals. Yeah. So, this track um, is known as The Pervy Song by Martin. Or at least he once referred to it as that, but I think we should now call it The Pervy Song. Uh, written about um, the idea of watching a girl dress. Um, ooh. At least it's watching a dress rather than an undress. Although it depends. We're well, still going to get to see tits. <laughs> and Wells. That tuppence I left on the floor. <laughs> Did you ever find it? I'm still looking. In between. In between. Groping around. <laughs> but also Alan Wilder, when he was asked about this during a fan Q&A, he said it's not one of his favourites, which is why it's the penultimate track, which is the filler position on an album. Now that's interesting, Ooh, isn't it? It certainly talks to what we talk about. Mm. But are there any penultimate tracks that stand out for you as real highlights? Because we often talk about the structure of an album and how it should go out on a high, how Peter's out should be nowhere in sight. Any that jump out? Well, not immediately, no, but... Uh... I have to say for me, Save a Prayer from Duran Duran's Rio, one of my favourite songs of theirs of all time. So the fact that they left it to track eight, I think shows that they knew the strength of that song. Um and that leads into The Chauffeur, which is just a completely different sound, but a great closer. This is not about Duran Duran or Rio. And it was only a matter of time before um, Duran Duran popped their heads up. It probably won't have made it into the final edit, but I was calling Depeche Mode Duran Duran at the start of the episode. At least three or four takes. <laughs> <laughs> no offence to anybody, apart what? from you. Well, obviously, yes. I did remember watching, um, what was it called, Pop World with Simon Amstel, and he interviewed Dave Gahan from... Depeche Mode, and he asked him, well, what do you think of Duran Duran? And he said that Simon Levan was once a little bit rude to him. Apparently he said he saw him backstage at some sort of event and just almost pointed and clicked his finger at at Dave and went, oh yeah, Depeche Mode, great stuff. Bit patronising. I do love pop stars that bear bear a grudge. Oh God, yeah, me too. Uh, Because I do love bearing a grudge myself. Yes, absolutely. I've never known anyone bear a grudge like it, actually. Um, And that's why we don't talk about Cook anymore, because she no longer works for us. No. And Cynthia? She was uh, admitted to a secure unit. But we still visit from time to time. Uh, Peter, however, I think on the basis of this track, he could be making an appearance. Oh, damn, we've got a new doorbell. Oh, Christmas gift from Cook before she left. We really have gone up in the world on all fronts this year, haven't we? That one specifically for the back door, though. Tradesman's entrance. <laughs> uh, we're on to the last track of the album. So, yeah, there is another interlude after this song, but again, we, sadly, we can't play it. Um, it was called Interlude Number 3, which was the third interlude on the album. Uh, so let's go with number nine now, the last track, and this is Clean. go to sleep with that drum beat in my head tonight it, i love how as well how towards the end of the song it really strips it back and the beat is the main thing you really take away from that isn't it uh, a good way to end the album it hasn't petered out it hasn't petered sorry 
Not today. So initially when I read the title Clean and then I first listened to the song Clean, I thought about clean as in soap and water, you know, mop and bucket, Mr. Pledge. No, not Mr. Pledge. Mr. Muscle. Mr. Muscle, yeah. Muscle. Muscle. Mr. Muscle. Of course, I think this is actually about clean as in... Sober. Yeah. In and both, in, in every sense of the word. Absolutely. And Dave Gahan, of of course, Gahan, Dave Gahan, Gahan, Gone. has, of course, had his struggles. He nearly died due to a heroin overdose uh, in the 90s. Very much clean now, of course. But yeah, when I kind of quickly realised what it was about, it, it becomes a very different thing. I think for me, it's a great song, but when it's kind of three and a half minutes in, it really lifts. And I'm doing your lifting the mood with my arms there. Um, and it reminds me at that point very much of a song called Cover Me from their most recent album. And if it's okay with you, Will, I'd just like to show you that part that it reminds me of. Okay. something in my drink for me then i was having an out of body experience oh well i have done that as well but yeah do you think, can you see the similarity yes, there yes i can i actually i know we're talking about violator but i actually preferred that we're just listening to just personal oh, preference awkward that's quite awkward yeah but it's certainly something very yeah very dreamy it's escapism ethereal it's ethereal absolutely and it's more about the instrumentalization that word I've struggled with a couple of times this episode, uh, over the vocals. But that's Cover Me from their most recent album, Spirit. I definitely recommend checking that out. We're out of time. We've come to the end of the album proper. But don't worry, as always, we've got some further listening. So further listening this week, uh, we thought we'd take a wander down uh, the Depeche Mode road that has all of their remixes on. Yes. Remix road, you might call it. Remix road. Uh, because as we said before there have been so many remixes and some of the older songs continue to be remixed by huge names Will do you have something in mind? Yes I do I'm going to take you to a remix of this song Halo and this has got a lovely link to uh, an artist that we're going to be talking about soon this is the Goldfrapp remix of Halo There's a pain I think what I like about that is it brings some Goldfrapp sensibilities to uh, the Depeche Mode track. And I think there's even some vocal additions in there. From Alison herself? Mm, it does. I think so. And I love it when a band do that. Do you remember when Pet Shop Boys remix Madonna's Sorry? And you actually hear Neil's voice before you hear Madonna's voice. She's preferable. Which, and I think she was probably absolutely fine with that and didn't kick up a fuss at all. 
Um, I don't know if we've mentioned it, but I did when you said Madonna there. I just I saw a picture of her leaving the Palladium after one of her uh, shows in London recently, um, and I don't mean to be harsh, but she the way she was being helped out, it looked like um, she was. Uh, an elderly lady being put onto one of those community ambulance buses. <laughs> God bless her. It's not been a good run, has it? Uh, I haven't been, but apparently, once she finally did perform... Yeah, and stayed within the time constraints that were very clearly given to her. It was a good show. Very good show, yeah. Uh, I just This is a really nice uh, interpretation. It's wonderful, and I, I like that there are parts of it that feel quite... Uh, quite Baroque, almost. Yes. Um, oh, that's a, a new one. Word of the day. Bit of chamber pop, maybe. Um, which is, you know, goes back to Goldfrapp's very early Felt Mountain days. But there are also elements in the middle, that's the dancier part of it, which feels a bit more either sort of Depeche Mode, Enjoy the Silence sort of type, or some of Goldfrapp's poppy moments. But yeah, great choice. Loved it. Dan, what have you gone for? So I've gone for Personal Jesus, and this is the Stargate mix. Takes a confess, put me to the test. Things on your chest, you need to confess. I will deliver, you know I'm a forgiver. So that was the Stargate remix of Personal Jesus. I absolutely love how they've taken what we said before was a very fantastic blend of organic instruments and electronics and just turn it into a dance banger. Uh, and Stargate have a very strong pop pedigree of production. Pop pedigree of production. That's wonderful. Alliteration. What are some of your highlights from their work? Uh, Mystique. One, the wonderful Mystique. Just the name that pops into my head. Who should be appearing on the long list? Beyonce, Charlie XCX. Uh, they really did, like similar to like Red One, they just exploded and ended up recording music for so many people. Kyle, Carly Rae Jepsen, Justin Bieber, Kylie Minogue, Coldplay, Pink. S Club 7. S Club 7, Sam Smith, Britney Spears, Rhiannon, Selena Gomez and Samantha Mumba and Atomic Kitten. And they also, a little bit more recently, released tracks as themselves. Uh, they did the song Waterfall featuring Pink and Sia from a couple of years ago. Calling up some of their old uh, pop friends. Old buddies. So? We're out of time. Out of time, sadly. Hopefully you enjoyed being violated by us this week. Do let us know at Track by Track UK. Uh, and if you enjoyed it, give us a rate and a like on uh, what's it called Apple Podcasts and if you enjoyed that um, and it we'd like it to be a regular occurrence yes uh, do come back again and see us soon Dan can you give us a hint of a tease as to who's coming up next week yes I can it's quite easy actually British electronic duo who have also remixed for other artists such as Depeche Mode yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, first of two episodes starting next week uh celebrate some huge milestones for the band actually in close succession yes so until next time i have been vince clark and i've been alan wilder goodbye, goodbye.